people get stuck on, do I see pictures of different people? No, I want to see what you have behind the scenes. Because what's happening is that people are recruiting for diversity, but they on board for conformity. So what's happening... Welcome or welcome back to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and this is part two of our fabulous two-part series, I guess, on the wild and wonderful lessons we can learn from Love is Blind. Last week, we had a whole conversation all about branding, business growth, and marketing, and resonance through the lens of Love is Blind. This week, we take a totally different approach looking at inclusion and intentionality in a whole new way. And our guest this week is Dr. Ramona H. Lawrence. Dr. Ramona H. Lawrence is the founder and CEO of Dr. Ramona H. Lawrence Coaching, LLCA, Software and Systems as a Service Agency. Her life's work and heartfelt mission is to help individuals and organizations incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion into business strategies and systems so they can authentically connect with, recruit, and retain diverse networks of customers and team members. Dr. Lawrence is also a DEI strategist, speaker, coach, and consultant for network marketers, small business owners, and solopreneurs. She has delivered engaging and thought provoking DEI speeches and training to thousands of network marketers across the United States and globally. She has facilitated DEI trainings and consulted with companies such as Arbonne, Rodan and Fields, and Forma Therapeutics. Hello, all, all across the internet. Today, I have in the studio with me the most fabulous, the most wonderful Dr. Ramona. I am so thrilled to have you here on our twofer, all about the hot, delicious mess known as Love is Blind. Before we get there, Dr. Ramona, I get to ask you the question, which is, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? Small business owners need to focus on diversity and inclusion. I think that it is absolutely uh, something that we need to do. We have got to look at what our lens is and look at how that lens is affecting how we're doing the work that we do and how it affects the clients and participants that we have in our businesses. So D&I, absolutely. Yes, please. Thank you. Now, I I don't think anybody that would listen to the show is going to feel this way. But just in case, just in case somebody's tuning in for the first time and they don't know what they're in for, I can hear the objection of people being like, well, I'm a small business. So do I, is there really that much I can do? Or I'm a small business. I don't have a lot of money for performative inclusion or... I'm a small business and I think I'm a pretty 
okay, nice person. Isn't that enough? I'm not mm-hmm. racist. Isn't that enough? Um, that yeah. one I do hear a lot. <laughs> like, well, I'm not. Woohoo! DNI checkbox. Not racist. Live it. Um, like, oh God, no. So, what do you say yeah. to anybody out there listening who thinks that DEI is a bigger, uh, bigger company's issue? Yeah, it's everybody's issue, right? No, DNI doesn't have to cost money. Um, and I tell people all the time, you don't put your DNI hat on when you're at home and then, you know, take it off at work or put it on at work and take it off at home. There are no separate things. And it doesn't matter how small your business is, regardless of how what the size is, if it's one person or if it's a multi-billion dollar business, all of the individuals make up that business. And if you are not focusing on what your lens is, what your background is, how that affects the people that you interact with, then you are missing the mark absolutely in your business. And so um, I, I try to tell people that DNI is not something that's separate that you need to be doing, right? It's, it's a way of life. So if you're looking at putting it on, taking it off, doing an initiative here, starting something, and and the word uh, that you use was performative. If anything is performative, uh, we don't want it. Right? We don't want it to right. just be performative. We want it to be truly um, it, something that's internal to the operations of the business and how the leaders think, right? And so um, the, there's no need to think about these many, many dollars that need to be spent. It's how do I see the world and how am I uh, incorporating how I see the world into the business processes, how I do onboarding, how I complete the activities of my business, right? None of that costs anything. And so um, that's what I mean. But, you know, a lot of people, I tell them, choose your disruption, right? (laughs) What is your disruption going to be? And what is that to, to you? And so a lot of people think about, I am having to go out and I'm going to put up a sign and I'm going to march and I'm going to do all this. And they think that is DNI. No, it's not diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, none of that. That is a piece of it. But what is it that you are supposed to do? You don't have to be out there with every topic. Your thing might not be racism, um, sexism, ageism, it might not be abortion, different things. That might not be your disruption, right? But you need to think about what am I going to come in and do something about that's important for me and I'm putting in my little piece of the puzzle um, in advocacy or allyship, right? I'm not having to do everything. And people just think of it the wrong way. They think I've got to be out marching somewhere. And it's like, no, you're, you're talking about the wrong thing. That's not what you have to be doing. There's a lot of small things that you can do to move the needle. Well, an allyship, because all of us strive to be an ally to someone, Mm -hmm. right? Like everybody strives to be more inclusive in one area. At least I hope they do. If you're you're not striving to be an ally to anyone, then just hit stop. Like, we're not going to yeah, commit yeah. you of anything. And this show is way too libby-lib for you already, so goodbye. But, <laughs> but yeah. you know, like, they're not going to tolerate me. But I think this idea of that what you're talking about is, like, how do we get ourselves out of performative and into real? And I love this idea of, A, choosing your disruption. And then once mm-hmm. your disruption is chosen, backing that up with action. Because, like, I have this gorgeous Black Lives Matter poster in my front window. 
here in Chicago. That doesn't mean that my neighbors feel safe walking down my street. What can I be doing Mm -hmm. to make sure that I am being a active community member and advocating for my neighbors of color? I can't just put a Black Lives Matter sign up and be like, cool, I'm Mm -hmm. a safe place. I'm an ally. It's like, that's not allyship. That's That's a piece of poster board in a couple pieces of tape, right? And so yeah, I think you're absolutely. you're making such a critical thing about allyship and and saying like there is no separation between personal and professional allyship because it's you, it's what you believe, it's how you show up, it's the lens you honor, it's the lens mm-hmm. you correct, right? And and yeah. so I think that that's yeah. so important because I do see as a as a white woman and as a marketer I see a phenomenal amount of things that give me pause where I'm like, are they doing that because they feel like they have to? Are they doing that to be trendy? Or is that really actually of them and and well-purposed? And I feel like, A, that's not necessarily for me to judge other people's stuff, but, but there is a mm-hmm. difference in resonance for me and the idea of like the safety of the space when I see that people are actually delivering on the concepts that matter to them, choosing that disruption and stepping into the disruption instead of just saying like, oh, I put a rainbow flag on my website so people know that I'm queer friendly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the issue is, is that is there something that's a consistent action that's happening after that? And I always tell people, you know, I don't want you to put an MLK quote up on your social media on MLK Day, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I don't want to see that if you're not going to actually put something that he quoted in action, right? And so if if you're not looking at it and saying, okay, how am I going to put this into action? And how am I going to have somebody to hold me accountable? Because accountability is what's important, right? So who do I I tell this to that can hold me accountable and say, yes, that actually is happening, right? And I'm actually taking some action. And so um, I think that's the the issue is that we're very performative with a lot of these actions when we're putting things out. And it's not a bad thing that you want to put out a, a, a banner or a quote or anything like that. That's perfect. That's a great start. It brings about awareness, but then uh, awareness doesn't lead to bad lead to behavior change, right? So that's something that we talk about all the time. If you want to, if you're aware of the gym and and everything that you should be doing, that means you're going to go to the gym and work out and do what you're supposed to do. Same thing with this. You're very aware, right? But what are you doing? What are you doing on a consistent basis that brings about change and then brings about reflection? Because the reflection and accountability is the piece that's important for this. You know that Canva stock photo that's like absolutely everywhere that's like a bunch of white women wearing bracelets like with their fists in the middle? I am not kidding. No. I saw a I saw a Malcolm X quote put on top of a bunch of white fists a couple of months ago on Instagram and I just stared at it for like way too long. <laughs> I just stared at it and I was like, is this a joke? Like I it was so like the the MLK quotes on MLK Day, like I see mm-hmm. more as like an understandable performative thing. But like you took Malcolm X, who is also yeah. known for like the fist. You took a bunch of white fists with not a, a drop of melanin in any of them. 
and you put a Malcolm X quote on top of it and made it about like anger or something. And I was like, this is confusing Mm -hmm. me. Like context matters and consistency matters. You can't just put one quote up and be like, okay, racial equality box checked. Right. Absolutely not. And like we see this every year with pride. Like it's so interesting right now because, um, with all of this stuff about like Budweiser making people gay and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. all that gooey, ridiculous bullshit. Um, you know, they're like, no, actually we've always been pride focused just because we have a trans woman as our new spokesperson or whatever the problem is. Doesn't mean that we don't, you know, care about diversity year round or don't care about queerness year round. But there are so many things that like, you know, right now we're at point of recording. It's um, Asian and Pacific uh, out Asian and Pacific Islander Awareness Month, and mm-hmm. I'm seeing all these brands be like, "We are focused solely on the AAPI," and I'm like, "Since when? Since yeah, when are you right. focused solely on the AAPI? Like, since mm-hmm. when are you a champion of diversity just because it happens to be Black History Month? Why are you suddenly all rainbow just for pride? And I think that, again, is just another sign that, like, for the people who are living in disclusion, for the people that are living in disequity, it's not a, oh, cool, it's finally October, I matter this month. Like, it's not like that. Mm -mm. So for the rest of us who live in privilege, we don't get to just decide, oh, don't forget to put it in my editorial calendar that it's Black History Month and maybe throw a quote on a stock photo. That's just, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. It's not enough. Yeah, it's not enough at all. And it's very frustrating uh, when you see these things and you're like, well, last week you didn't say anything about me. You didn't try to advocate. You didn't, um, you know, uh, contact your lawmakers and stand up for policies. You were all against that. And then here we are when you're wanting to do some type of marketing ploy, um, you put this information out there and, and act like you're caring about all these different diverse, uh, categories. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating and, and um, you can see the brands that really do care, they are making the money now. When you think about Rihanna and Fenty and, uh, you know, those yeah. those types of brands really, they do things always, constantly, right? And not just, they're not performative. And so it makes a difference. We are seeing a really exciting time um, for inclusion in some areas. Like I have seen more... Uh, disabled or differently abled bodies in commercials Mm -hmm. lately uh, as a little chonker of a short round uh, teapot. (laughs) I've seen so much more body diversity in ads lately. I've seen uh, commercials that are just standard slice of life commercials with queer couples in them. I've seen Mm -hmm. queer couples with kids. So there are, there's biracial couples, there's transracial families, there's all kinds of stuff that I'm seeing like in commercials, which feels really good because it's not performative. The point of the commercial is not, this is a biracial family going to Target because they feel safe. It's like, ooh, we love Target. We happen to be a biracial family, Mm -hmm. right? So like, I do think that we're living 
in an exciting time for inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's very deliberate on the part of all those brands. Yeah. So what trends are you seeing or or what, not even trends, because I don't ever think that diversity or inclusion should be a trend, but I do think there's, there's a, a more peer pressure now in a great way. So like, how do you see brands big and small stepping up in a way that feels Right. Like Rihanna and Fenty is a perfect example. Like other than, I mean, this is a stupid question. What's Rihanna doing right? Everything, y'all. Yeah. She's living her <laughs> life right in every, every, every way. But, uh, but what, what kind of, what kind of stuff are you seeing in the space that you're like that? I want more of that. Yeah. And it's not even the stuff that's on the surface because, you know, we see the things that uh, Rihanna's doing as far as putting out the different bodies and different um, races and ethnicities and um, different family structures. We see all of that. But I love when a brand looks at the customer's journey and changes based on the customer's journey because not everybody mm-hmm. has the same perspective. So we can all be on the same Zoom and have a different perspective. We can be in the same room and hear the same information and have a different perspective, right? We can see things on TV and have a different perspective because we we come from different perspectives, different backgrounds, different lifestyle. Yes. And so I think yes. that when a company considers that behind the scenes, that is what is important. And so when you say, okay, how would an African-American or a Black woman perceive this particular product? How would they journey through our business? What would they see that looks like them? What type, what pieces of their culture would they see? And I think this is still the Rihanna example, right? She's the, she's really doing mm-hmm. this and, and ensuring that uh, people see themselves all throughout the journey, not just in the marketing piece that's up front, but what do you see as the, as the process as you're moving through this? And the, the way that I even got into um, inclusive marketing, sales, diversity, equity, and inclusion was from um, network marketing. Uh, that was my initial mm-hmm. way of coming into this. And what all I saw was blonde white women at the top of the company. And I thought, what in the world is happening? Are you telling me that not one Black woman worked hard enough And they would always say, we all have the same products. We have the same compensation plan. We have the same 24 hours in the day. The only difference is you. And I'm like, so that you isn't important, (laughs) right? That's a saying across network marketing. And so that is what uh, drove me into really starting to do diversity, equity, and inclusion work in businesses because I'm like, there's so many issues with just this one saying. Um, and I can relate that oh to, God, yes. to businesses, <laughs> to companies in general. It's like, okay, yeah. So let me give you an example. Sure. Give us both suntan lotion and follow it through my journey with my community and follow it through a young white woman's journey through her community and let's see who does better with that product Mm -hmm. right I mean and or follow through the community with the types of um presentations that you have that only feature one person let's follow it with the um the things that you have as far as here we have this meeting at this time of the evening and this person's a single mother 
and having to work two jobs. And this person is a middle class woman that has this type of family structure. Who's going to do better? So when you tell me, you know, (laughs) about, yeah, everybody come on, come into network marketing. We can all do great. We all have the same. Right. You know, it's like, no, you are operating your, or your business. events on a Friday night or a <laughs> Saturday morning, which completely alienates Jewish people. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it. come on, this, y'all. Yeah. So this is the thing that I'm talking about. It's not, people get stuck on, do I see pictures of different people? No, I want to see what you have behind the scenes. Because what's happening is that people are recruiting for diversity, but they onboard for conformity. So what is happening? Come on, let me tell you now, because it's 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 frustrating because it's like you saying in your business, oh yes, everybody can do great here, but your systems, your structures were developed for one type of person. And then you say, well, why? Why is it that these people don't make it? I told you those people wouldn't do good. And it's like, I I wonder why. What's happening here? I wonder why. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about when you ask the question of what are companies doing? I think the ones that really pull the cover back, they look deep and they look at all of their processes and say, okay, uh, I've got this product. Let me follow it through this person's eyes. Let me follow it through this person's eyes. And they just even do that thought process. It would be yeah. so different when it comes to the outcomes of of different uh, diversity categories within your businesses. So I'll stop ranting there. But. And shit, you might <laughs> learn something about humanity along yeah, the way, right? Yeah, like. Yeah. Oh, no, you weren't rambling. You were taking us to church on that one. Like, perfect. (laughs) I mean, it's, 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 we do train for conformity. We 100% do. And even sometimes in, in these performative inclusive efforts, like, not all, not all queer people are freaking monolith. People of color are not monolith. Like, you know, so I also can't be like, oh, I, because I can assume what the Black experience feels like, am now totally comfortable exclusively marketing to Black people because I know what a Black Mm -hmm. person needs. Like, okay, well, that's me being like, oh, I can reduce someone's entire life down to their race, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, that's not helpful either. Like, and I know that in marketing and in selling, I love that you're, you know, at this from the marketing and sales uh, angle where I spend so much freaking time, you know, we have to make assumptions about people. I say this with sales all the time. Like we have to size people up in some way so that mm-hmm. we know where the starting line is for them and we know what problem we can solve with them. But that in no way means, by all means, be take the lazy road out and make assumptions that are based on biases that you're not even willing to admit that you have. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so how do we... How do we, whether it's uh, any form of inclusion, any form of diversity, any form of inclusion, if we're, what are the ways that we can go out and learn about experiences so that we don't make uh, the wrong assumptions or we don't go, okay, I can check that box because I made sure that my stock photo, you know, all the things that we're talking about on the surface, 
how mm-hmm. do we go out and and educate ourselves in this space without um like I, w- there was a big conversation that happened um after the murder of George Floyd um where mm-hmm. all these people of color were very understandably like it's not my job to teach anti-racism to you is it right and mm-hmm. it's not and it's not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I caught myself a lot being like, is this racist? Am I a bad person? Will you please mm-hmm. validate me? And I'm like, nope, not their job, right? But mm-hmm. understanding that historically unincluded people, historically excluded people um, have a lot of of untapped, you know, marketing potential or visibility or any of the stuff we want to say on the positive mm-hmm. without me like going to my friends and clients of color and being like, market this for me. How can I train my lens to be more inclusive without, again, overly relying on, for example, people of color to light the way? Yeah, and I think... <laughs> the very first thing that I tell people to do is to truly know your lens, right? Because a lot of times um, people who are are white people, not people of color, um, they have not had the experience of having to look back and understand their culture, understand where their beliefs come from because they were always the norm. They just got to, you know, move through life, right? And it wasn't a thought a lot of times. And so... I think the very first thing is that you have to say, why is it that I believe this about people? Why is it that I even think the way that I do? Um, And I'll tell you some about even my own lens. I was raised in the Deep South as a Black woman. um, And my father was the chief of police. So when I tell you my lens about police was very different than a lot of other Black people because I saw police in a very different way growing up. I could walk in the police station and say, hey, buzz me back, right? And I could do all of those things. So I had to realize one day as I got older, my lens isn't the same as everybody else's and I need to open my eyes and see what they're going through, right? To be able to understand this full experience. And and so I did that. And so we all have to do it, right? In different ways. And so I think that's the first thing. And I used to talk to people about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I would say, you know, you need to go out and advocate for people. You need to speak up. and then. I realized they couldn't even speak up for themselves. They didn't even know who they were to even start this process, right? So I always 100% say you've got to go and determine why you believe the way you do, understand how you grew up, not fix it, but just understand it, okay? Then the next thing is, okay, how do I have experiences? Not just reading a book, how do I experience other cultures? Not them coming to tell me what their culture is like. How do I go to another church, go to a community, go to a a different, you know, country, right? And see exactly what it is that people experience, at least as much as I can, right? Because it's going to open your eyes. And then when you ask questions, you're asking informed questions. You're not saying, 
like train and educate me, you're saying, I experienced and noticed this. Tell me how that is from your perspective, right? And so that makes it feel different, feel better, right? Than saying, oh my goodness, am I doing, is this racist? You know, and all of that. It's like, okay, give me something informed. I always tell my children this, don't come ask me a question unless you can tell me what you've done to figure it out first. That's when I want you to ask yes. me a question. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Thank you. Pick yourself up first. You know, like, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like, did you try Google? Google. Yeah. Have you, have you Googled? Have you Googled? It's like, right. I wonder how many people have Googled the phrase. Is this racist? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But at least they Googled it and didn't thrust it on their friends' family, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And it's understanding that the weight, right, that that carries. And, um, uh, you know, when people talk about things like um, there's a book called White Women, and they talk about white women's tears, right, and what that means. And, you know, it's... um, it's difficult because when you're coming to a person and you're saying, this is my truth, this is what's happening. These are the issues. And then that person cries. It makes you have to stop, attend to Mm -hmm. their feelings. And then you probably never get what you said heard. Right. And so that's the reason that it's very tough um, when you have these conversations, because if you have to um, navigate other people's emotions to be able to express the truth of who you are and your experience, then that makes it a little bit tough, um, a lot tough to to even start the conversation. You're just like, look, I'm just not going to deal with it. So that's kind of a little bit where of where that comes from. I do give myself some credit um, mm-hmm. in that I used to be a lot more white tearsy because I thought it was like, it's noble. We're all in this together. We're having this dark moment of the soul and we need to band together. And I'm in this too. And I'm an Mm -hmm. ally and I'm weeping. And, and I think the idea of when I really wrap my head around the concept of like white women tears, which I have cried oceans of, um, that I was like, Oh wait, I am. I'm making other people clean up my emotions Mm -hmm. instead of honoring how I feel privately, doing the work I got to do privately, considering my lens and my proximity to privilege, and then choosing my disruption. I got to keep coming back to that because it's totally true. Mm -hmm. I wasn't choosing my disruption then. I was just Mm -hmm. emoting. Right. And it didn't feel performative to me because it was real. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel performative to me because I was absolutely, utterly terrified for the people of color that I love or the queer folk that I love. I'm also queer myself, but like Mm -hmm. the, you know, the queer folk I love, that was terrifying for me. But the way that I went about it was I made it about me and my emotions Mm -hmm. instead about banding together and making change and or holding space for people infinitely more affected than me. And so I'm, very, that was a hard, bitter pill to swallow, but mm-hmm. I, I believe that I'm a better, stronger ally because now I know when to not make it about me. And I think yeah. there's a small business lesson there too of like, yes, your small business is centered in you, but it's also bigger than you and your platform mm-hmm. is bigger than you. And if you're choosing not to look at your lens at the very beginning, those people that we talked about, that's like DEI is a bigger 
thing than me. It's a bigger, you know, it's a bigger company's problem. Then what we're choosing is to just stay in emotion and not in activation or to allow our own experience to kind of curb or mandate what we could be doing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's, it's weird. As a marketer and as a salesperson, I'm curious to know how you see privilege show up in marketing or how, if we are considering our lens, if we can go a step further to to bring that awareness into work. Are there any common mistakes you see around the areas of privilege or is there any patterning that you see done really right that people should lean into? I think that um, when people are marketing, they they visualize, and I, I, I may uh, restate this, but I'll say it this way right now. They visualize the experience from a place of privilege, right? And so when they're trying to show their product, they go and they sit on the beach and they drink this drink and they, you know, put their feet up and they visualize, they, they market the product in that way. When it, we'll go back to network marketing, but I might be a person that is trying to use that product just to stay healthy, right? Because I'm, I'm getting older and I'm using the business to send money back over to another country because I have got to make sure that that family is okay over there. And they're dependent on me over here in the U.S. And so I'm working two jobs trying to do this network marketing. And so I wish that you would show me how I could do this um, to, to help my family and not sit out on a beach and chill out because I know that's not my experience, right? And so right. Um, I wish you would show me some mission and some purpose in the things that, um, that that we're doing, right? And so I think that's where people go wrong is that we often show this, um, and, and this a lot of times false for even them, <laughs> this, this false picture of what's going to happen versus how do I think of this from many angles? Yeah, I would love to be out on the beach, but I also need to know how I'm um, truly using this to affect change and to affect my family and the the longevity of, of my family, right? And so um, I think those are some of the big things that I see that people are just putting this out there in a way that everybody's got this same type of family they um, are at-home moms. <laughs> they just get to hang out on the beach and during the day when their children are mm-hmm. at school. You know, it's just like, come on. <laughs> it's hilarious. Like, I'm, I'll get a sunburn in the middle of winter in Chicago somehow <laughs> with this skin. So, like, you need to market sunblock to me year-round. <laughs> it's a year-round need. My friend just got engaged to this great guy from Nigeria, and uh-huh. she actually had to, like, inform him about what sunblock is and what it's for. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that is not at all my experience. <laughs> like, I've gotten burned by the refrigerator light. Like, oh, God, slather oh me in that all day. Wow. Right? But, like, how that, look at that learned experience. Like, this is a man born and raised and, like, spent his adult years, too, in Nigeria, came to the States just recently, mm-hmm. fell in love with a white woman, and now has to learn about the perils of sunburn. Like, mm-hmm. how... 
But like, if we wouldn't, I wouldn't even think about the fact that people don't know about freaking sunburn. Yeah, like, I'm like, yeah. I'm so sorry. I've been so traumatically sunburned so many times in my life. I don't even think about it. Right. But then you also can't just turn around and be assumed like, oh, well, black people don't get sunburned because that's also untrue. Right. That's what I'm talking about with that. Like, let's put everybody in the same canoe. Like, no. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> just slow down and talk to individual people one at a time. And figure out what their needs are and figure out the problems you serve and talk to that as mm-hmm. human to human, not human to group, not marketer to group, not even marketer to human, just human to human. Human to human. <sighs> Which is actually a perfect transition to today's pop culture piece. Although, side note, <laughs> aren't you shocked that no one has claimed Rihanna as their pop culture piece? I'm shocked. Oh, but wow. <laughs> today, we are not talking about Her Majesty Queen Rihanna. We are talking about... <laughs> reality TV at its arguably weirdest, uh, Love is Blind. <laughs> so what the heck does any of this have to do with the folks falling in love without seeing each other? Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Love is Blind. So, you know, everybody pretty much knows the the premise of this show, I think. But, you know, you're going in and you're talking to people, right? You're actually getting to know people before you see them. And so that really aligns with recruitment to me and business. And so it's thinking about there's so many (laughs) people. And oftentimes we have this idea of this is our ideal client. Same thing as we do in relationship. This is the type. This is my type. Right. And then we miss (laughs) out on so many great people because we're thinking about what our type is when we see somebody first. And so I I love the fact that they go in and they talk to a number of people and make the connection from just hearing about them and not seeing them first. And that's why when I talk about recruitment with um, people in my coaching business and I talk about the, the ideal client versus the thriving community, because I don't want you to just have an ideal client. I don't want you to just have um, this type, like, you know, in Love is Blind. I want them to be able to think about, okay, well, what values do I want that person to have? What is their, um, you know, what are their likes and their dislikes? Uh, all of those types of things. Make a connection and then determine if that person is your ideal client. Now, of course, we have to have some kind of idea of of who we would like to work with. There are people who are more suited for our businesses than others. That's, that's very true. Um, but I think when we think about this idea of recruitment and, and looking at a thriving community of people that have the same types of, um, you know, values and different things like that, then sometimes we find someone that's ideal that's totally does not look like what we thought they would, right? And so I think that's the first piece of of love is blind is where we're we're thinking about it as recruitment. And so I have this whole acronym that's ROAR, R-O-A-R. Okay. So with ROAR, ROAR is like, I want you to speak up and speak out for people. Um, but But after you are able to do that, ROAR stands for recruit, onboard, activity, and retention. Okay. So I'll take you <laughs> I'll take you through love is blind. So we just talked about the recruitment now. Um so with the onboarding that 
in in my business is educating people, right? You have to educate and engage them about the product or the the thing in your business, the service that they just chose, right? So when we onboard them, we look at, okay, what's unique to you? Um, what are the types of things that you're, um, that are going to be uh, most inclusive to your culture, your, um, your, your, different patterns that you, that you have of behavior, all of that. Right. So your I, life, what's going to your life? Yes. And so I've got to educate you about what I just gave you and see how it fits for you. So I'm not only educating you, but you're educating me about how I need to adapt some of those systems to be inclusive of your um, different diversity categories. Right. So that's onboarding. Right. Then I have the A and the A is activity. So the activity is I've got to deliver on what I told you I was going to give you, right? So if I'm giving you a product, then I'm saying this is how this weight loss product works. I'm giving it, you're getting it in the mail. I'm showing you how it works. We're we're delivering. I'm, I'm delivering the results, right? So I have got to have within that activity, whatever service or product I told you I was going to give you, I'm going to have to do some all, A-W-E, all, and accountability. So I'm going to have to wow you because everybody else sells that same type of thing, right? I, it, I can go get it anywhere. So I need to wow you. I need to give you some all. And I need to be accountable for making sure that I am giving you what I told you I was going to give you. And so that's over delivering. And then I need to ensure that customers are satisfied. Right. So when we talk about love is blind, we're they're off. They're in their, um, you know, they go to the honeymoon in Mexico. They come back. They live. <laughs> right. I got to all and I got to be accountable. Like, OK, this is what you said in the pod. Come on now. You said this in the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need you. To, I need to know is this is this right? Okay, so we're having the activities. Okay, so that's the A. Then retention. Love is blind. Am I going to retain you? Are you going to say yes to continue with me at the altar? Okay, so with retention, I have referrals. Am I going to refer you to my family, my friends? <laughs> Listen, are you going to stay here with my family and my friends? Or am I going to be like, uh-uh, honey, it's time to move on. Am I referring you to my preacher, my banquet hall, and my crazy okay. Aunt Janet? Oh, my God, that is hysterical. So then is uh, referrals. <laughs> referrals is, is in retention. Okay. Am I retaining you and your services? Okay. And then if the last phase is reveals, this is the big reveal. Yes, we, we got married. We're going on the honeymoon, big reveal. And then I'm going to say, and there's more. So now I've got to say, okay, here's <laughs> new products. Here's new services that I have. I'm keeping you around because I've got to show you more. I just showed you what I got you to at this point, but there's more in the years to come. Right. And so that it, it, it's kind of like a perfect <laughs> representation of what I do in my business with the recruitment, the onboarding, the activity, the retention. That's what's happening in love is blind. <laughs> and there's more. <laughs> I just, I'm still dying about like, I believe that I am ready to refer you to my parents. Like what? Yeah. Well, isn't exactly it though? 
It totally is. You're like, all right, I got to bring some social proof. My friends really uh-huh. like him. Uh-huh. I got to bring in my differentiators. He treats uh-huh. me nicer than the last one. Uh-huh. Points uh-huh. of interesting connection. They both like jazz. Like, it's totally yep. what it freaking yep. is. It <laughs> is. Oh, my God. Well, I need you to write a book called Awe and Accountability, please. <laughs> Because okay. that combo <laughs> is just brain blowing. I could not gloss right over that, but you're freaking killing me with like, are we ready to refer you to a preacher? Yes, we are. Yes. Yes, we are. Uh, and then roar with three R's of recruit, uh, onboard activity, retention, and reveals. Roar, 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 roar. <laughs> yeah, the, re- right? the reveal is, is under so the retention. True. Yeah, so that, that's under that category. So it's just R-O-A-R. But I just under like retention. Roar, 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 Yeah, yeah. Roar. I might, I might right? extend but, it like that. I like that. <laughs> but I think that's true. Like the reveal is how you continue to discover each other. And, and I think one thing yeah. that I could give this whole conversation is like as a, as a super tool for diversity inclusion, stay curious. Yep. Be aware of what you don't know. Explore your lens. Explore other cultures. Explore other people's needs. Explore the stereotypes dominating your stuff. Explore other people's experiences. Explore the person you're talking to. Get mm-hmm. curious. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this think has of been things from their yeah, like think of things from their perspective because. You, again, in a relationship, you're both having the same exact activities happen, but you're having a totally different experience. And you can think about that with any relationship, right? If it's coworkers, if it's, you know, partners, whoever, you are having the same exact activities happen at the same time many times, but you experience them so differently, you can have two children that were born to the same two parents and they are so different. And so why can't we think about how this relates to business? When you will have your mm. children, you treat them differently. I mean, it's it's nothing. You, you, you try to raise them the same, but you treat yep. them differently based on their personalities. And so it's, it's the same. I mean, you're going to have to think about... And if about, those kids are biracial, one of them might be sunburned to shit. We <laughs> don't know. we don't know you know like (laughs) we don't even know if those kids need for sunblack is the same and they have the same dna okay don't make assumptions stay curious and protect your skin whatever your unique skincare needs are but if you're gonna buy it from a direct network marketing company uh make sure that that Direct marketing network marketing company uh, is is selling to people that look and live like you. Oh my god, I love this. All right, I got two more questions for you, and then I got to release you back to your glorious day. Uh, <laughs> this has just been utter joy and just mind melting in the best way. Okay, so you are going to start a reality show competition based on your work. So it's a marketing or sales reality competition. What is the premise and either how do you win or how do you lose? (laughs) Okay, so 
the the premise of this is that your whatever your marketing and sales journey is, you have people of all different diversity categories walking through that journey. And as many people get to the end as you know, if they get to the end, that means success with this journey. And the more people that get to the end of the and the more different diversity categories that you have that can get to the end, that's how you win. And so that that would be <gasps> it. <laughs> it's like MTV singled out, but like the the version of tag where like you sardine. So like the more people you take with you, the more likelihood of winning. It's the anti-survivor. Yeah. The bigger the tribe, yeah, the bigger the, higher the, the likelihood better. of winning. Yes. Ooh, yeah. I'm loving that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. if I am gonna win your show with you in tow, uh, or I'm ready to stop being performative, choose my disruption, and stand up and roar, what is the best way for our listeners to come into your world and start a conversation with you? Well, you can go to www.drramonahlawrence.com and you can book a call with me. You can watch me speak. You can do so many different things there. And so what I want you to do is just go right there to and make sure you put the Y in my name, D-R-R-A-Y-M-O-N-A-H-L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E.com. And you can just contact me right there. You're like, don't forget the why in the Raymona. Why is I'm like, bitch. No, no. I'm like, bitches, <laughs> don't forget the doctor. Okay? Like, listen, I, I you can put the why in there all day. Like, okay, it's a Dr. <laughs> Raymona. But more importantly, y'all, credit where it's due is Dr. Raymona. <laughs> so yes, okay. Yes. Don't okay. forget put either the one. There too. Yeah, don't forget. Right, don't forget either, either one. one. <laughs> uh because both of them are aspects of you. Well, yes. thank you for bringing all of you to this episode today. All your brilliance, all your wonders, um, and for sitting down and having this really important, zany, deep, powerful uh, conversation with me. It has truly been a privilege having you here. You are very welcome. I have loved this so much. Such a wonderful conversation. And I hope that it really just opens the eyes of some of your listeners and that they have enjoyed it as well. Oh, I'm sure they have. Y'all, I will be back in just a second <laughs> with my final thought and your homework for this week. Well, hey there. As much as I would love to give you DEI homework this week, I am just not the right expert or voice for that. But I encourage both of us, both you and me, to get out there and do some real work this week in terms of listening, not talking, but listening, holding space, exploring, considering our lens, and as Dr. Ramona says, choosing our disruption. But because I do promise you actionable homework each and every week, I will rely on my marketing chops to give you something else. Instead, I want to focus in on one of the critical pieces of Dr. Ramona's Roar recipe, onboarding. I feel like sometimes we get so excited about a new sale, we totally forget about onboarding. But when a new client walks through your door for the first time as a paid customer, whether that door is metaphorical or brick and mortar, this is a real chance to make a lasting impression and allay fears that set the stage for a successful ongoing partnership. 
Remember, they are filled with anticipation, excitement, hope, maybe even a little skepticism as they embark on this process with you. So consider creating a personalized welcome package or sending a heartfelt video message, welcoming them in and expressing gratitude for their trust in you. Make sure that you are being as handheld as possible, considering on your bandwidth, to make them feel supported. And consider where the common sand traps are in those first days, hours, weeks. By getting intentional about onboarding, we're not only creating those positive experiences, but we're showing them that we also have skin in the game, that their success is valuable and important to us, and that partnership truly is the name of the game. We are not a pay us and get forgotten about kind of business. This not only can allay those fears and build feelings of trust back, it can lead to real increases of things like referrals, testimonials, and great reviews. So this week, let's make sure we're truly making the effort to welcome all clients with open arms. And when you go out and do the research on DEI stuff, I would love to hear what you're up to. Please drop me a note because I'm in this same boat too. I have a lot of growth and a lot of intention to bring into my business. So let's do it together. Until next week, be well, go make money, take up space. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode kept you laughing and learning, I have two requests for you. First, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on your platform, so you never miss an episode. And also, more importantly, if you are looking for support, inspiration, networking, collaborations, or just a chance to hang out with me, Annie P. Ruggles, and our fantastic guests, make sure that you are a member of our LinkedIn community, The Legitimati. It is a weird and wonderful place. I can't even believe it's on LinkedIn and we want you there. You'll find the link in the show notes. Big shout out as always to the fabulous dudes who helped me make this show. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact my theme composer, Riley Horbacio, and my show art creator, Francois Vigno. See you next time.